It's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener, and joined at this time by Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey on the line. And we'll get into plenty of Jersey basketball, but let's start with Rutgers' next opponent, and that's Michigan. And what a mess, the end of the uh, Michigan-Wisconsin game. I'm sure most people saw it, but in case you missed it, Juwan Howard uh, lost his mind pretty much in the in the handshake line. His team just got blown out. He was annoyed at, uh, at Wisconsin coach Greg Gard for uh, calling a timeout. Meanwhile, uh, Juwan Howard's team was pressing him, but he called the timeout with like 15 seconds left, and I believe two in the last minute. Well, Howard was hot, and uh, you know he walked past Gard. Gard grabbed his elbow trying to explain it. Juwan Howard didn't like that, and Juwan Howard basically threw a haymaker at an assistant coach, Uh, contacted him, I mean, slapped him pretty much in the head, and then just a melee uh, started, and it was just, it was a terrible scene. And so the question to you guys is, you know, so he got a suspension, which he absolutely deserved, five games and $40,000 fine, two Michigan players, Musa Diabate and uh, Terrence Williams, they were swinging, so they got uh, they got a one game suspension, and so did uh, one of Wisconsin's players got uh, suspended as well. And uh, Greg Gard got a ten thousand dollar fine, but no suspension. The question is, uh, did the uh, did the punishment meet the crime, Matt? Yeah, it did. Um, I, I think that it was clear that Juwan Howard was the aggressor. He's had some issues. With some other schools, there was a little barking at the Rutgers game, I think, Maryland last year. So uh, there, there's a little bit of history, but I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill here. It was the heat of the moment. He should not have thrown the punch. Uh, turns out he probably about halfway through realized I better open up my fist because a punch will be a lot worse than a slap. And so we move on. But, yeah, I, I think he deserved the suspension. You can't have the head coach getting involved in something like that and throwing punches. So I, I do think the punishment fits the crime. I didn't think he should have been suspended for the rest of the year. I didn't think he should have been fired. Uh, I think he had a mistake in judgment, although he's the adult in the room and he yeah. should have been better. So, sure. John, the leader of men here, uh, he swings. It shows a really bad judgment there. How about the folks that believed he should have been fired? What, what's your thought, John? I don't know about fired, although, you know, you hear people say if, if you strike somebody in your workplace, you know, if you're working at the copy machine and somebody says something to you and you crack them, chances are you're probably going to get fired. Um, I-, I can see what Matt's saying, heat of the moment kind of a thing, but this is not the first rodeo for Juwan Howard. He lost his his marbles uh, a year ago um, in another instance. And, you know, I-, I can see how he was annoyed at the timeouts. His team is losing. He's frustrated. Because right now, he's the commander of a sinking ship. I mean, they were preseason top five. Matt, what were they ranked when Seton Hall beat them down at I out in Ann Arbor? I think they were number fourth. four, weren't they? Yep, fourth, yep. Yeah, well, they couldn't sniff number four now with, with um, you know, they're, they're way, way down. And they're, they're underachieving, and he's got really good recruits and kids that are you know, probably going to go pro. Dickinson will probably jump. He was going to maybe look at it last year. So there's a lot of frustration there, and um, Greg Gard, you know, is is um, going through the line, and he did he did put his hands on him, and, and Howard was quick to point that out. But come on, this guy's six foot ten, two hundred and sixty pounds. 
and and Greg Gard was like a, you know, swinging on his arm. He's so small. He's just like a little guy, like in a turnstile. I, I can't imagine. Then he talked about you know being from the South Side of Chicago, and that's that's how you know we roll, kind of a thing. And he mm-hmm. really did lose his, his marbles. And and this is not again not not his first rodeo. So yeah, he's. I do think that the punishment fits the crime. I don't think he should be fired, but you know he should really be. Um, He's on a, on a short leash right now, and I think any other transgressions. And yeah, he got know, into it with Mark Turgeon of Maryland. Turgeon's gone now, but last year they got into a big heated exchange where they had to be kind of held back from each other. So uh, you know, Jawan Howard's shown a bit of a hot head. And listen, I mean that's that's some bad judgment there. Now, I where I will say is I agree with you, John. That Greg Gard was a little aggressive there, man. I mean, he, instead of just walking by and just saying, "Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll talk about it later," or something. I mean, just just avoiding the whole thing. He got right on his arm and all that stuff. And Howard didn't like that. Gave him the "Don't touch me" bit, which and again is a problem in itself. I mean, come on, man, is it that big of a deal? Yes, he was hot, and when you're ticked off, you don't want anybody touching you. I guess so. But man, he just let that escalate. I'm a little surprised. I thought you guys would be a little hotter. About it, thinking that that was just completely out of control, which it was. Now I, I don't necessarily think he should have got fired, but I think the five game suspension was 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 warranted for sure because he's the one oh, who threw he's the one who threw the oh, punch. Yeah, yeah, I don't think now. I don't but, think anyone, any, any but, one of us are. The thing that. is, guard guard is culpable, Matt. I think because he was he was kind of like riding his arm a little bit, and he was a little aggressive there. And he, I, I think that so you know he got a ten thousand dollar fine. A lot of people thought he should have been suspended a game. But um, again, the guy who threw the punch is the one who's got to really answer to it. And you know he wants that punch back. But then afterward, the game wasn't even contrite after the game. I guess he was still hot. And then when he finally calmed down, he said, hey, listen, that was not the way to act. So he said the right things. Uh, and so here we go where he's out for the rest of the season. He won't even be back until what like, conference tournaments. Right. So um, yeah. and then but I don't know. Is he, is he suspended from practicing? Coaching and practice. I don't know, to be honest with you. I know he's suspended not, for the five remaining games. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I don't think them in practice. I don't think that they can. He can practice. I. I uh, I'm pretty sure he's got to stay away from the program entirely. I'd have to check up on that. Um, yeah, but they got a pretty good co- backup coach there. You mentioned him a, a number yeah, of times, Phil John Martelli, Phil Martelli. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're in good hands there. My concern is. You know, Rutgers is going to play them uh, Wednesday night. And could this embolden Michigan a little bit? I mean, they will be down two players, Diabati and Williams. Um, you know, Diabati, I think, scores nine points a game. Williams, like four or five points a game. But they both play uh, quite a bit. They play 20 plus minutes. So, you know, they're big, you know, a considerable part of the uh, Michigan's team. And now they got Martelli on the bench, but it could fire them up. They still got some good players there. So, uh, you know, it's um, and and they're they're fighting for their life here. So, uh, Rucker yeah. Rucker still needs to win. I mean, let's go to the Purdue game now, and um, you know, hard to hard to expect Rutgers to go into Mackey and and win that game. You know, this is one of the best teams in the country, and they're playing like it. Um, and you know, really, they're just too good. I mean, twenty four and four, thirteen and four in the in the conference. Um, they did get him at um, on an amazing shot by Ron Harper Jr. at uh, at the rack, but uh, you know they they fought hard. They, they and then they got cold. Uh, Purdue went on a few runs, and look, you know, in the end of the day, players, guys, right? I mean, you know, Jaden Ivey, Tra- Travion Williams, uh, uh, Zach Eady, these guys are all going to play in the NBA, 
And it's just a, it's just another level there with, with players, and and they're they're very well coached. Uh, but uh, that was a um, that's a tough place to go and win. You can't expect that. So now, you know, four left. You know, coming up at Michigan, and then they get Wisconsin, at Indiana, at Penn State, all bat you know considerable battles, and they still need at least one more. I, I would think two more to give themselves a chance uh, to to get it for a tournament berth. Uh, yeah, I think that they've done an awful lot to improve their profile. I think we come back to the same old, same old, which is what they failed to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, they certainly have captured everyone's attention. They clearly are playing their best basketball, but they're going to have to continue to play solidly the rest of the way because the underlying numbers are not good. And the NCAA really looks a lot at the you know at that net number. And it's got to be better. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're facing a, a tough test. By the way, I just looked it up. And uh, according to a university spokesman, he cannot practice okay. with the team. So cannot be at film studies. He's got to be away from the team. Completely oh, away God. from the program. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, again, with Martelli in there, I think they're, uh, uh, they got a guy, they got a guy, former head coach who's won a lot of games and knows what he's doing. So they've got that going for them. And so and they, I think they will use, by the way, to your point, Steve, I think they will use it as some fuel for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's not like they're playing Wisconsin, but I do think that, you know, you rally around the team in circumstances like that. Uh, I think the university, uh, the fans will rally around Michigan, uh, you know, whether or not they feel he deserved it. And, and I think everyone agrees that he did, but it's still, it's us against the world, right? And I think it will be a bit of a rallying cry for them. Whether it has any impact, I, I don't know. But I think there will be some, uh, at least at the beginning, for sure. How much? Think, how much does I it hurt him, John? Back yeah. to, um, getting back to the whole um, end of Michigan and and Wisconsin the other day, I think the bigger issue with them is that you know, we, everybody knew that Jawan Howard was a, was a hothead when he played, I and mean, he was part of those. Miami Heat teams that were always seemingly in tussles and whatnot. But I think the bigger problem is that how it escalated and his players really resorted to, you know, throwing haymakers. I mean, those, those kids were right in the middle of it. I mean, I know they were trying to back up their coach, but there was, there was no self-discipline there at all. And whether that's the assistant coaches that didn't do their job of getting the kids out of the way in time, but um, the fact that, that it escalated so quickly and that they jumped right into the fray with, with throwing hands, I think, was the, is the bigger problem. And, yeah, they're going to they're gonna miss those kids um, against Rutgers. And it could, it, it, the team could go either way. They could be in, like, a funk and a free fall here, and Rutgers could be catching them at the right time, or it could be, hey, listen, we're 14 and 11, and we're a sinking ship. And it's time to write that ship now. And you could catch them with, um, you know, with the, you know, our backs to the wall, all the cliches, whatever you want to use. So they could be either getting them at a good time or a bad time. And I guess we will see when, uh, when they tip it off in Ann Arbor tomorrow night. Well, I've said it all along. You know, th- this is a different team right now, mainly because Paul Mulcahy is a different player. I've said this a few times now. And, you know, so, you know, as you said, uh, John, 
you know, defense travels. So they got to go to the Chrysler Arena there and they've got, you know, Caleb McConnell's got to lead the troops there and they've just got to play the lockdown defense that they've been playing because that's been the key during this run that they've gotten that was that ended at, uh, at Purdue. But uh, the difference here is that Paul Mulcahy, he's playing a different game right now. And, you know, he, like I said, he was tentative at the beginning of the year. He wasn't making good decisions and he wasn't shooting. And now he's his offenses. I mean, he's, he's he's making better decisions about whether to shoot or not. And that's kind of a tough thing when you're in between that, you know. And so he's been doing better uh, uh, with that decision making. And it's made all the all the difference in the world, because when he's scoring and when he's getting his guys in the right position and dishing the ball and getting the assists, it takes so much pressure off a of Geo and so much pressure off of Ron Harper Jr., who, by the way, it looks like the hand wasn't that bad. It's non-shooting hand. He was OK against Purdue. So maybe they uh, dodged a bullet there because if he had missed some time, that would have really hurt. So it seems like he, uh, with Mulcahy leading the team in a better way. Let's face it; that's what he's doing. Um, he is he is giving uh, he's giving these guys better chances, and he's taking the pressure off them a little bit. And offensively, they've been better. And then Caleb McConnell's just been playing unreal defense. I mean, he's come on; he's stealing three, four, five uh, steals a game, and uh, it's been just so important. And if they keep playing defense the way they're playing it, then they got a chance against anybody. The thing is, and you saw it against Purdue, is they just have those uh, cold periods where they just can't, you know, they can't put the ball in the ocean and, and they just, they really put pressure on the defense to get stops when you cannot put, when you cannot score. And we've all said the big difference now is that they're scoring more and it's, it's, it's making these games winnable when, uh, when instead of just a pure rock fight where they've got to just play defense to the death and just figure out a way to, 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 to outlast the other opponent, like the Iowa game. They're now, you know, shooting the ball well. Come on, like I said, if you're shooting around 50% and you're making a third of your threes, you're going to do pretty well. And also, another big thing, guys, free throw shooting. They're over 70%. When's the last time we saw that from a Rutgers team? So that's slowly come around. They're like 71% for the season. And that's all the difference. Then you get some W's there. And that's what's going to happen in Michigan. They're going to have to figure out a way to just play – uh, incredible defense and you know they got to score too that's got to keep going they can't have those lengthy uh cold spells where they're not scoring for nine minutes at a time or they're going to be in big trouble that's one uh area where they don't miss miles johnson right at the free throw <laughs> oh, line no because he would go to the line and it was like oh my gosh you were holding your breath yeah um and uh that's the one area that uh that they don't miss him in and i tell you uh, Cliff Omori has has been. We mentioned uh, Paul Mulcahy stepping up his game. Omori has oh, yeah. has really really stepped up his game as well, and you can see how he he has a couple of you know NBA skills already with the shot blocking and um, you know defensive prowess in the middle. I mean, there's there's a guy that um, you hope you hope by the end of the year he doesn't have people in his ear telling him you're ready, you're ready to go and um, have him leave because he's morphing into a really nice player. He's he's even, you know, stepping out and that elbow jump shot doesn't, you know, you don't want to cover your face like you did Mm -hmm. last year when you would put that thing up. And, um, you know, if he can diversify just a little bit more, I mean, there's a guy that could could earn himself a lot of money someday. He's he's really um, a a nice player to watch. The speed at which he finishes – 
is just incredible when he gets that ball even when and he and 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 flushes it home. I mean, it's so it's so quick. You yeah. know, I mean, Miles. Yeah, he. You know, he would. Go, yeah, I'm gonna dunk the ball. But you know, and he. You know, and and by you know, Cliff is just. It's gone, and he's already running the other way. It's just the, the speed at which he finishes is really. I've never seen that. That so much. How the quickness really, uh, from uh, from a big man like that. And I would think that that yes, he has to develop his offensive game, no question. But just his footwork, the, the uh, you know, an athletic guy at six eleven. And you just see that he's got it. There's got to be a place in the NBA for him, you would think, as he develops over the next couple of years. Because, as again, the sky's uh, the limit. But, you know, Rutgers 16 and 10, 10 and 6 in the conference. Matt, real quick, with four games left, what do you think they need to do? I mean, what what's the minimum and uh, what can they get away with to get into the tournament? Yeah, I think that they've got to almost win out. Okay. Almost. They mm-hmm. might be able to drop a game along the way. I think it's that crucial where they find themselves. I thought a split. Uh, I, you don't think a split will be enough in the last four? I, I think they're flirting. I mm-hmm. think they're flirting. That net number is horrendous. Yeah. And it's not going to improve much, but they've got to uh, improve it still. And as soon like, let's just assume for a moment, moment that they were to lose tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And everyone says the bloom is off the rose. That bandwagon, which was crowded, becomes empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, they need to be able to show they can win on the road. That's why I, you know I say win out. Maybe they can, maybe they can take a loss, win the two at home, and then win one of these two, Michigan or Indiana, on the road, and then show up in the Big Ten tournament, mm-hmm. and they could be okay. Yeah. I agree with but, you. You know, a four a four game win streak turns into a two game losing streak, and then okay, where are we now? So I think the game's important. Uh, uh, Michigan and Wednesday night. They're still night. not a good home t- uh, road team mm-hmm. until they prove otherwise. They're not a good road team. Yeah, it's the truth. Well, let's uh, let's take a break. Uh, we'll listen to uh, a spot from LG Insurance, our sponsor, and then we'll uh, we'll come back. We'll talk Seton Hall. At LG Insurance Agency, our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home, car, and business insurance. LG Insurance Agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs. LGinsuranceagency.com or search LG Insurance Agency. And we're back on the Jersey Hardwood Podcast. Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and... John McAlevey. It's sponsored by LG Insurance. Let's turn to Seton Hall now. And, well, they squeaked by DePaul, uh, 66-64. They made it a little uh, closer than they needed to there. Looks like Jared Roden uh, is going to lead the way for these guys with Bryce Aiken back. He had a big game. Kadari Richmond played much better and and smarter. I think he's got to play smart. And he did in that game, Matt. And they looked, uh, they, you know, listen, they didn't look good in the second half, but they they figured out a way to win, which is the most important thing. Got off to a great start. They were up 17-5 to five at one point, And then DePaul slowly chipped away at it. Um, I, I don't know. It was 57-52 late in that game. DePaul had gone on this incredible run. Um and I wasn't sure which way the wind was blowing, quite frankly. Um, but they were able to right the ship and, and squeeze out a victory. Uh, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still not doubtful per se, but I still want to see more from them. Um, 
I'm not convinced that they can lollygag their way the rest of the way and and sit back and live on their uh, on their laurels from earlier in the season. I just don't think they can. So yeah. uh, Butler uh, lies ahead. The schedule is favorable to them. I mean, they do have to go to Creighton and they do have Xavier. Those won't be easy. Xavier's done a little bit of a downturn. Uh, Creighton's always tough at home. Butler and, 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 and G-Town are the wins that they've got to put in their hip pocket. And if they do that, I think they'll be okay. But they have no, no room for error. Zero yeah. room for error. Uh, and you know what? Yes. And I'll just, just disagree with you a little bit. And everyone praising Kadari Richmond. And maybe, uh, you know, I'm a harsher, greater than others. But there's so much more there. I, I don't. I don't get what he does sometimes. He gives up the dribble when somebody comes near him. He's too quick to give up the dribble. He passes the ball so nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. And then he makes drives and he takes that big body and he drives down the lane and then he does fadeaways or he tries dipsy-do or crazy passes. Go strong to the hoop, son. But that's not what he has elected to do. He's been put into a somewhat untenable position playing more minutes and a bigger role than he was scheduled to but it's grow up time and got to get it done there's though he played better he had some assists he you know at least passed the ball a little bit and um he played better than uh, i don't think he played particularly well against villanova i was uh i was texting with a good friend of mine who i used to coach with who's a huge seton hall alum and uh, was actually a manager on that team that went to the um, the final game with uh, with PJ Carlissimo, and he was he was white knuckle time. He was telling me it's it, the season's over because it really looked like, as you said, Matt, down five late in that game, that had disaster with a capital D written all over it. And and what happened was um, Javon Freeman Liberty finally saw a ball go through the net. He did zero in the first half, and then he was pretty much unstoppable in the second half. And he had a couldn't stop him. Right. And a couple of drives late. I think another thing that really hurt them and it put the onus on Richmond to have to do more is that Miles Kale was a complete no show. He fouled out in 11 minutes, really did nothing for, for the day. Um, and you're, you're banking on Jared Roden. I tell you, the, the guy that continues to, to come up big and, and is the walking double double is Alexis Yetna. I think right now he's the, the, you know, the glue guy, he's the, the unsung hero for this team. As good as Roden is, Yetna made a lot of big plays down the stretch there, a lot of rebounds. He hit some free throws late. And, um, you know, he's a guy that they have to have on the floor all the time. But, um, yeah, I, I think, as you said, Matt, they they pulled uh, they really pulled that one out, and, and that would have been a disaster had they dropped that one. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, but they didn't, right? So that's the big news. And you're right about Kale. I mean, about Yetna. He's been a, a terrific find. He can shoot uh, yeah. and he can rebound and, and, and play some defense. But as I said in last week's show, it's Jared Roden. They've got to feed him the ball. I know he's being guarded. I know everyone's eyes are on him. He's the star. He led the way with 18 points. He also had 18 rebounds. Uh, he was just a force, and he's got to be mm-hmm. more of that. He has to be more of that. Miles Kale is too inconsistent. You get little to no offense from Obiagu. Uh, Jameer Harris 
Sometimes he looks good. Sometimes he looks okay. He was okay, I guess, at best on on Saturday night. And, you know, Tyree Samuel sometimes can be a bit of a mystery. It doesn't look like Bryce Aiken. Listen, I don't even know what's going on with Bryce Aiken. Yeah, I mean, so but who's your floor general? If he's gone and he's done, you're going Richmond. to the tournament. It's got to be Richmond, right? I mean, he's yeah, exactly. going to be your guy. And so, drop off. Yeah, and so and I'm talking floor general. He's like a better two guard, right? He's a guy who wants to grab the ball and shoot. You know, he's more uh, uh, he's more in Jared Roden's uh, uh, realm there on you know on the wing, wouldn't you say? In terms of uh, or or is he a natural point guard? I mean, what? what no, he's not a natural yeah. point guard, but that you know, again, that's the role he's been mm-hmm. thrust into. And as I said, it's unfortunate. Wasn't expecting. Yeah, so so minutes, you know, you losing it. Play these critical minutes. Losing Aiken is, is is big, and now you know. And I would think, listen, okay, you're a sixteen and nine overall, seven and eight in the Big East. These four games, yeah. going back to the same question we have for Rutgers, I think that Seton Hall can they split the last four and be okay? I'm not so sure. Maybe they got to get one of those on the road, Matt, and 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 certainly take care of Butler and Georgetown at home. Listen, I, I think that it comes down to the resume, and I think two mm-hmm. and two, and they are okay yeah. because that net will speak volumes. They don't have they don't you have know? terrible losses at the beginning of the year where Rutgers is dealing with some really bad losses. Boy, lesson learned there, man. You cannot lose to the Lafayettes of the world, or it just destroys uh, no, you. We talked about it, so you got to schedule yeah. better too. Yeah, uh, you certainly have to win them. Right. And you also schedule better because if you lose mm. to a good team, it doesn't hurt you as much as losing. Right. Well, we're seeing that. Rutgers is a perfect example of that of having. So that's this, why I think two yeah. and two they'll be okay. But yeah, um, you know, three and one definitely gets them in. Uh, oh, for we'll sure. I don't know about like I said. I don't know about Bryce Aiken. You know, Kevin Willard's interesting. You know, sometimes uh, an injury he'll blow up and say, "Oh my God, I, I don't know that he's going to be back for the rest of his life." And then other times he kind of sloughs things off. You know, he's gone in the last two weeks. He's gone from, you know, he's still working at it. Um, I forget which game it was after, but it was just before the Villanova game. And he said, well, we won't have him Saturday, but the next game, which was UConn, is possible. Then after Saturday's game, he's saying, well, we probably won't have him back for the rest of the season. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> I don't know how you go from one to the other. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Kevin is trying to let his team know that you can't hope he comes back. You can't rely on his coming back. We'll be better if he comes back. But this is it. It's you guys. Don't look over your shoulder. When the gym door opens, it's not going to be Bryce Aiken necessarily walking through a la Willis Reed against the Los Angeles Lakers. And it might just be a psychological ploy on the coach's part. John, what do you so because they're a better team with him. John, what do you think? Who's got a how do they got to close? Yeah. And and I think I'll go back to what I mentioned in our last show that um it hurts that they don't have those freshmen, Weston and Conway. Ryan Conway was the point guard that they brought in from, from Baltimore, who was, you know, a pretty heralded recruit, and he has not been able to make it onto the floor at all this year. Um, so that it hurts. There's a guy that could, could fill into that void, you know, not not huge minutes, but could, could spell, you know, Richmond and, and Kale and, um, you know, be a, be a general out there and sort of run the show, get the ball to the right spot at the right time because – Richmond is he's not a point guard, he's a scoring guard. He's like a he likes to play bully ball because he's got that great body and strength mm-hmm. and he, oh, yeah. he wants to take you to the rim and, and take you with him and put you through the net with the ball. So he's not necessarily the guy who's gonna, you know, bring it over half court and, you know, 
run the picket fence for Jimmy Chipwood and get everybody in the right spot. He wants to <laughs> um, get himself going downhill and get into the rim. So what do they got to do, John? Has, what does what is, what is, uh, Seton Hall have to do in these last four games, in your opinion? They have to win. How about that? All four? Just, not, you know, can they split they it? Have to, they ha- as Matt said, they have to feed Roden. Jared Roden's got to wear the cape. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. He's got to... He's got to deliver them. As Matt said, again, the schedule is right there. Any slip-ups, and it's good news, bad news. The good news is you have winnable games against teams that you should beat, so you should win the games. But it could be bad news because if you do stub your toe and lose one or two of them, then that's really going to hurt the resume down the stretch. So, you know, there's there's no games there where you have a top 25 team where you could put another pelt on the wall. These, these are all teams that you could and should beat. So I, I think that the committee will take a look at any losses that they have um, and weigh that, you know, against them. But um, it's all right there. I think they should get it done. Yeah, but this whole net argument, guys, I mean, we can look at this net argument and say, I mean, Ruck, Ruck, compare Rutgers and Seton Hall is a perfect example. I mean, let's say they split and go two and two. Then, you know, Seton Hall's got a losing record in, in the um, in the Big East. Now, granted, they had some good wins at the beginning of the year, um, but they, in a sense, their record, uh, it's, it's that's just, that's the only difference is a couple wins at the beginning of the year well, look, you know, your team gels and changes over the So it's just really kind of a shame that there's so much weight on those those first few games. And if you slip up, boy, you're in a you're in a mess there because you would think they're very similar like these two teams. And, and, by, and head-to-head, Seton Hall beat Rutgers, which is a, certainly a big boost. And it's looking better for Seton Hall, as you said last week, Matt, because they, Rutgers has been playing better. Um, sure, and St. John's has played better, and so that yeah. helps Seton Hall as well. But sure. the thing within that, we can argue it all night yeah. long because there are flaws in the system, mm-hmm. but it's designed whether, in fact, that's what it does. Like I said, we can discuss all night long. It is designed to reward a year-long period right. of play, not just who's hot down. And strength and schedule, obviously, too. So playing stronger teams, you're going to be rewarded as well. Um, yeah, so, and, sure, and, yeah. and especially if you win. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not forget it. Right, you know, Rutgers didn't win. And mm-hmm. those four wins, you can't take away from them. Yeah. So I'll go back to right. You can't take those four wins against ranked opponents away from them. But then they they fell on Sunday. They got to win. Yeah. They got to pick mm-hmm. up a W uh, in, in their next game against Michigan because then how good is Rutgers? So that's what makes it great. They have fate in their own hands. Seton mm-hmm. Hall has fate for the most part in its hands. And let's see what the best team can do, or the best teams. Let's hope they both get in. Yep. If you take a look at the net, Seton Hall's at 36, Rutgers is at 80. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, you man. go conference-wise, yep. the Big 12 is number one. The Big 10 comes in at uh, number two with an average net of 57. And the Big East is fourth with an average net of 64. So, you know, the Big 10 is a little, you know, looked at a little bit um, a little bit better. They're, they're number two. And so mm-hmm. and they put all these, those things together and, you know, the Joe Lenardi's of the world is, are going to be on TV now more than, you know, leave it to Beaver reruns. This is that time of year with bracketology yeah, well, and all of that. Nonsense. Well, one team that's absolutely in Johnny is Providence boy. Cause they're looking um, uh, awfully good. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they stubbed their toe against a good Villanova team last but, week at yeah. home it was a great electric atmosphere. And then it looked like, 
um, disaster. We mentioned disaster word before. It looked like they were down 19 with 16 minutes to go at Butler and somehow figured it out. get themselves yep. into overtime and win it in overtime without their starting point guard. And so that was uh, that was a huge win. That was a yeah. lot of fun to Friar. watch. Briar's looking good. And we're up against clock here. I did not see that coming. No. Not at all. R- really tough. Uh, Matt's got another uh, podcast to go to. He's back-to-back podcast. Uh, so yeah. uh, we got to we gotta let him go as he uh, covers the uh, Pirates. So he's got to do Pirate Talk after this. So uh, check well, actually, out. Actually, no, it's a Devil's Podcast. Oh, it's a Devil's, Devil's podcast. podcast. Yeah, Devil's oh, Podcast. Okay. Uh, speaking for those who are hockey fans with Scott Wheeler, who writes for The Athletic. Very cool. And we're oh, okay. looking ahead to the 2022 draft, which is just around the corner. And sadly, the Devils are going to uh, be in the lottery. And uh-huh. so who's yeah. ever at the top of the list is uh, hopefully a critical importance well, uh, to our Devils fans. Bad and good. Rough season, but hey, you get rewarded with a, a high pick. So uh, yeah, yeah b- building that young. The, the, hey, give, they're, give they're, me a playoff first. They're a young team. <laughs> young team, Matt. So, and hey, by the way, so we'll just good segue into our hockey brief. Uh, we have a hockey brief with Matt Lachlan. I just asked him three questions around the league. It could be the Devils or the Rangers or the Islanders or all over the league. And uh, Matt, uh, the NHL expert that he is, answers the questions, and we've been doing that. We just started that, and we're going to do one again tomorrow and get it up on the site at moresportsnow.com. This is on moresportsnow.com as well as the Jersey Hardwood podcast. We cover Jersey basketball. We're heading into March, and we will look at some other teams, too. We'll look at Princeton. We'll look at St. Peter's. We'll look at Mammoth. We'll see what their chances are moving forward. And also, we're going to lock into Rutgers and Seton Hall heading into March because there's a lot going on. And both teams, you know, hoping for a tournament bid, but not definite. There's a lot of work here. So uh, from Steve Titchener, Matt Lachlan, and John McAlevey, we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. The Jersey Hardwood Podcast is written and produced by Steve Titchener with co-hosts Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. The show is edited and mixed by Justin Coy at Sound Lounge, New York City.